Welcome to another recording provided for you, the use of the blind and print impaired for Airs LA. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I am Nancy Porter and today I will be sharing with you from the April 24th, May 1st, 2023 issue of Time Magazine. This issue begins the magazine's annual reporting of the world's 100 most influential people, which is broken down into six categories, artists, titans, pioneers, leaders, innovators, and icons. We will begin today with the only two news articles in the brief. First one, Trump's Trials by Nancy Gibbs a former editor-in-chief of Time Magazine and co-author of the book titled The President's Group. This article, Trump's Trials, tells about the historic yet entirely predictable indictment of Donald Trump. An independently wealthy American president is tossed out of office after a single term amid massive economic hardship and fears of political violence. There are rumors he was under surveillance or about to be arrested. Relentless, bitter, appalled at his Democratic successor, he stews in his elegant midtown Manhattan suite, plotting his next move. Except it was not Trump Tower, but the Waldorf Astoria, and the ex-president was Herbert Hoover. But in this case, history neither repeats itself nor rhymes. Hoover not only respected the presidency, he honored it in his post-presidency. When Franklin Roosevelt announced a bank holiday immediately after his inauguration, Hoover declared he should receive the wholehearted support of every citizen. A decade later, when a hundred million people in Europe were at risk of starving, Harry Truman enlisted Hoover's help managing post-war relief. Together, they probably saved more lives than any other two figures of the 20th century. Most ex-presidents enter post-oval life bearing scars and regrets. Some take up painting, some lead into atonement. We all have sorrows, as Jimmy Carter told me. Or, as the Prayer of Confession puts it, presidents often leave office haunted by what they have done and what they left undone. The libraries, the foundations and philanthropies, even the memoirs, serve both as explanation and expiation as their legacies settle and harden. Such public service, whether in the name of politics or penitence, has been more the rule than the exception of modern ex-presidents. And so it becomes one more norm that Donald Trump breaks as he enters his long-expected season of legal accountability. That he would be the first president ever indicted is both historic and predictable, as is the chance he also will be the second, third, and even fourth in multiple jurisdictions over myriad criminal charges. The odds were never great that Trump would see his post-presidency as a chance to serve the public good having not seen the presidency that way. He never showed that he felt the weight of the office 
and its fateful duties. It was more a profit center, a platform for shakedowns and ego strokes. The post-presidency is a platform for, as he put it, retribution plus sales. And this is the ongoing damage he does. The careless splashing of paint stripper on the majesty of the American presidency. His peers were not perfect, but few were vandals. Other presidents have tried to salvage campaigns, but none we know of with hush money to a porn star. Other ex-presidents exalt their faithful supporters, but not when they are serving time for insurrection. Other presidents have turned their stature into a revenue stream, giving speeches at six figures a pop. It's a safe bet that none thought about merchandise featuring a mugshot. Which brings us to the deeper tragedy. For millions of people who believed and supported Trump from the start, defending the rule of law requires defending him. Millions of voters are breaking norms, too. If his campaign is telling the truth that the money flowed faster the minute Trump was indicted, four million in the first 24 hours, a quarter from first-time donors, they say, then we get what we reward. He has gotten this far by tapping into needs and wants that long predate him the networks running blanket coverage of baggage handlers and motorcades do so in response to perceived demand. They also help create that demand. The Republican lawmakers who know better, yet make him a martyr, make cynicism cringe. As a measure of people's loss of faith in institutions, in courts and judges and prosecutors, in fairness and process and equal justice for all, the entire spectacle is a crime scene. Presidents swear an oath to uphold the laws. Former presidents are granted protections and privileges because they served and are in a position to serve in new ways. And in the past, presidents have used that opportunity to do tremendous global good. The scandal of Donald Trump's passage through public life rests both in what he has done and what he has left undone. So much power to do good, deployed instead, used to divide and conquer. The other two news article in the brief is titled The Other Investigations into Donald Trump by Brian Bennett. Times political reporter. The felony charges Donald Trump faces in New York may be just the beginning of his legal travails. Trump is in the sights of multiple other serious criminal investigations, and whatever taboo may have made other prosecutors hesitate before charging a former president has now been swept away by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's allegations that Trump falsified business records to pay off a porn star before the 2016 election. Atlanta area prosecutors are examining Trump's role 
in efforts to overturn Joe Biden's Georgia victory in the 2020 presidential election, including a January 2021 phone call in which Trump was recorded telling Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find enough votes to reverse Biden's win in the state. In that case, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis assembled a special grand jury last year that heard testimony from high-profile Republicans, including Rudy Giuliani, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. The grand jury also heard from poll workers, technical experts, and state employees. It concluded that there was no widespread voter fraud that would have overturned Biden's win in Georgia, and that some witnesses before it may have lied under oath. Willis has yet to bring charges. In Washington, D.C., Special Counsel Jack Smith has been appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland to investigate both Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago club, as well as Trump's actions to reverse the election results leading up to the deadly January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Smith's team is reportedly looking closely at an alleged effort by Trump's allies to gather state slates of fake electors from states Trump lost to undo Biden's win. That investigation has included subpoenas for documents from local election officials in Wisconsin and Nevada. Trump is also facing another legal action in New York. State Attorney General Letitia James is suing Trump for allegedly helping misrepresent the Trump Organization's financial position for economic gain. That trial is slated to start in the fall. Trump says he has done nothing wrong, and these cases are merely political attacks to block him from winning back the White House in what will be the third straight campaign in which he is also the central issue. This one will unfold because a second contest between the rule of law and a politician unbound by it. And that's the end of news articles from Time Magazine. We now move to short articles about the 19 artists on the Time 2023 100 Most Influential People list. Number one, Michael B. Jordan, Forging His Legacy by Ryan Coogler, a director and Oscar-nominated producer. Michael B. Jordan has been a working actor for over 24 years, four years longer than LeBron James' NBA career, and one year longer than Tom Brady's stint on the NFL gridiron. He has a youthful appearance and spirit, so it's easy to overlook his incredible feat of staying power in an industry that can be so transactional. He has toiled away on network television, cable, independent cinema, mid-budget studio fare, and Hollywood blockbusters alike, always with a blue-collar approach. With this year's Creed 
1983, he took on a new role, feature film director, and handled it with aplomb. I knew he would, because directing is a working person's game. The world sees the press tours, the interviews, and the edited behind-the-scenes footage, but I am deeply familiar with the reality. Marathon conversations with actors, budget meetings when you realize cutting part of the story is the only way forward, post-production hours when your own mistakes laugh at you from the footage. It's like climbing a mountain summit through enemy territory with your heart exposed. But I knew Mike had it in him, because over that quarter century of work, nothing was given to him. Everything was earned, and I strongly believe that his best work is still to come. Artist number two, Drew Barrymore, Effervescent Personality, by Jimmy Fallon. When I say this woman can do anything in the world, I mean this woman can do anything in the world. You want a beauty line? She did and crushed it. You want to do a kitchen appliance line? She did it and crushed it. Do you want to do a home line of furniture? She did that and crushed it. You want to host your own daytime chalk show? She did it and is crushing it. Drew Barrymore never sees anything as impossible and never takes no for an answer. Never afraid. Loves a challenge. Drew is a true role model. She brings joy to everyone she meets. I am so lucky to call her a friend. And we're all so lucky that we just get to watch this person at this moment in time. Artist number three. Emmy-winning comedian and host of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Oh, I'm sorry. Jimmy Fallon is the Emmy-winning comedian and host of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Um, artist number four, Rian Johnson, Filmmaking Mastermind by Jamie Lee Cur Curtis, author and Oscar-winning actress. It's all in his head. What's so disarming is that the complex jigsaw puzzles and character studies and subtle political sociological statements seen in his films, including 2022's Glass Onion, come out of someone with such an outwardly nerdy, gentle demeanor and cackling laugh. He is prolific AF. His voice and ambition and execution are old school and new wave all at the same time. His mind is as sharp as a knife and like an onion you get more flavor and depth with each layer peeled. Nobody else gives audiences both what they know they both want and what they don't know they want at the same time, quite like Ryan. Every movie he's made is warm and funny and loves its characters and their history. Who else who has made genuinely great noir, sci-fi, and mystery films, not to mention the best Star Wars movie, can say that? No one. He done it. All right, Oscar. I mean, um, uh, artist number five, Zoe Saldana. Fiercely talented by Mike Kunis, actress. Mila Kunis, actress. Zoe Saldana is the ultimate badass in the entertainment industry, known for her powerful on-screen presence and ability to take on any role with ease. Whether she's kicking butts in Guardians of the Galaxy, saving humanity in Avatar, 
or making you ball your eyes out in from scratch, she's always on top of her game. Zoe has also been a trailblazer for women and people of color in Hollywood, breaking down barriers and advocating for greater diversity and representation. She's not afraid to speak out for what she believes in and uses her platform to make a positive impact. And let's not forget her killer fashion sense, which makes her a style icon, too. In short, Zoe Saldana is a total boss who can do it all. She's beloved by fans for her talent, attitude, and fierce spirit, but I value her most for her undying friendship, the inspiration she offers as a parent and a partner, and more than anything, her unique ability to make any situation a hundred times more fun. Artist number six, Simone Lay. Shifting the Narrative by Venus Williams, philanthropist, entrepreneur, and winner of seven Grand Slam tennis singles titles. My first encounter with Simone Lay and her artwork occurred over a decade ago, and I will never forget the feelings I experienced in that moment. Her art resonated with me in my heart and my core. The unique elegance, well-executed technique, and overall majesty of her work transcend the art form and captivate attention. And the message informing that work is even more powerful. For generations, black bodies have been stereotyped, marginalized, and commodified. But Simone completely upends that narrative with her sculptures, centering the experiences of black individuals and celebrating black bodies, specifically female bodies, for their beauty, strength, and pride. In doing so, she inspires generations of black women to feel empowered and to situate their experiences as central to American history and culture. Her presentation at the 2022 Venice Biennale was monumental and won her a golden lion, which speaks to her impact, not only on the art world, but on generations to come. Artist number seven. Austin Butler. A powerful performer. By Angela Bassett, an Oscar-nominated actress. The first time I met Austin Butler, we were both starting to find our grooves in what promised to be a busy award season. We connected in a fleeting moment, one of many when we would share a hug and warm words. Despite all that swirled around him, Austin opened his heart to new friends. I was fortunate to be one of them. I watched his movie, Elvis, with a deep appreciation for all the work I knew Austin put into his performance. A lot goes into an actor's finding their way into an icon, not pretending to be them, but offering a perspective on the artist as we perform slices of their story. You walk away from that set forever changed. Your hope is that when people see the film, they don't see you. They see an artist's journey through a different lens. Austin accomplished this with a brilliantly nuanced performance. On the evening of the Oscars, with Oster seated next to me, I understood intimately what he felt 
when it was time to learn if he would climb those stairs to the stage. So I took his hand and held it softly as the winner was announced. Although his name wasn't called, Austin is no less a winner. The time had come for Austin to say goodbye to Elvis as he began to embrace an infinite universe of possibilities as an actor. I can hardly wait to see what he brings to us next. Actor number eight, El Anatsui, a visionary sculptor, by Chika Okeke Agulu, an artist, critic, art historian at Princeton, and author of the book El Anatsui, The Reinvention of Sculpture. El Anatsui is one of the most impactful artists of our time. As a sculptor, he shows an incomparable capacity to experiment with his materials, medium, and process. El collects diverse materials, puts them aside in his studio for years, and then returns to them intermittently until he figures out the right language for inventing completely new sculptural forms. The breathtaking combination of experimental rigor and inspired vision turns such unassuming materials as printer's plates or liquor bottle caps into the magnificent constructions and compositions displayed around the world. From a recent solo show in Seoul to his upcoming commission at London's Tate Modern Museum. Less public but just as important is L's unflinching generosity of spirit. As his career grew, so has his remarkable propensity to support not just other artists, but also individuals, families, and institutions in his community in Tsukaka and across Nigeria. And he does all this without fanfare, as if it is only a life, but a life mission. That, for me, is the mark of greatness. Artist number nine, Leah Michelle, A Tour de Force, by Ryan Murphy, an Emmy-winning producer and director. Funny Girl is my favorite musical of all time, and for over a decade, I flirted it with reviving it on Broadway. Ultimately, I couldn't commit for one reason, the long shadow of Barbara Streisand, who originated the role of Fanny Bryce. I was afraid of it. Leah Michelle wasn't afraid. I couldn't believe it when I attended my friend's opening night with Jonathan Groff. JG and I were both in tears and were absolutely astounded as Leah received multiple standing ovations, literally bringing the house down. Her acting, impeccable and nuanced. Her voice, full of joy and despair. She had done the impossible, made Fanny her own, to great critical and commercial acclaim. Older, wiser, stronger, stronger, Leah interjected the classic with a new burst of modernity and something singular. Here she was, playing a survivor and killing it because she herself had survived something. Many things. At age 36, she reinvented herself yet again. She was humble in this triumph and this comeback, 
and didn't take for granted being the toast of Broadway. In this role, Leah Michelle is truly the greatest star. Artist number 10, Colleen Hoover. Best seller by Jenna Bush Hager, co-host of NBC's Today with Hoda and Jenna and founder of Read with Jenna. If you're paying attention, you will see Colleen Hoover's books everywhere you look, and more specifically, young people devouring them. Like many, I tore through her 2016 book, It Ends With Us, on an airplane flight. Colleen has mastered emotionally fraught narratives, and women are paying attention. Whether you count yourself a Colleen Hoover fan or not, her influence on the publishing industry is undeniable. There are more than 20 million copies of her 24 books in circulation. In 2022, she outsold the Bible. At one point last year, six of her titles simultaneously led top 10 spots and the New York Times paperback fiction bestseller list. And thanks to her rise on hashtag book talk, she has motivated an entire generation of readers back to bookstores and libraries. But Colleen, who, like me, is from Texas, hailing from small-town Sulphur Springs, has not forgotten her home. She is also paying it forward with her nonprofit bookstore called The Bookworm Box on Main Street and a literary festival titled Book Bonanza in Texas for up-and-coming writers. Artist number 11, Steve Lacey, Charting His Own Path, by Chloe Bailey, a musical artist and actor. What I admire most about Steve Lacey is that he's always himself, a good person who loves to make music. In a world where everything is so contrived, he just wants to nerd out and be free, and that makes him a force to be reckoned with. From his performances on stage, to his clothes, to his lyrics, he's open to expressing what's real. That's why people gravitate toward him so much, because at a time when everybody's trying to be what other people want them to be, he's saying, I'm going to make music, and if you like it, that's cool. He has inspired me to be fearless to trust that whoever my music is meant for will find it. He has the biggest, warmest smile, and he reminds me that you don't need to have all the bells and whistles to make good music. What you need is yourself, your ideas, and your heart. Artist number 12, Wolfgang Tillmans, A Prescient Photographer, by Judy Bloom, Revolutionary by Molly Ringwald, actress. The coming-of-age films I'm known for from the 80s seemed revolutionary at the time for centering on a young female protagonist. In truth, Judy Bloom was already doing it long before in her groundbreaking young adult fiction, now popular in on-screen adaptations. Judy's writing helped me to honestly play a teenage girl because her books helped me become one. At a time when no one was chronicling the monumental minutiae 
occupying a young person's brain, body shame, bullying, grief, there was no subject that Judy wasn't up for exploring in her books. Even the most taboo subjects of the time, menstruation and masturbation, were examined, helping millions of young women to enter young adulthood a lot more informed and a little less afraid. Her books have been banned many times in various places over the years. Since there are always people for whom the thought of an empowered young woman's autonomy over her mind and body is somehow objectionable. But good books will find their way into kids' hands, and I am so grateful those good books they found my hands. Let's look next at uh, the artist Wolfgang Tillmans, a prescient photographer, by Jeremy Harris a Tony-nominated playwright. The first time I saw one of Wolfgang Tillman's photos, I was in Chicago. Standing in the center of a gallery's dance floor, I tasted what seemed like the sea as my tongue slipped from a man's mouth and found its way to his neck. Even at six feet four inches, I was still dwarfed by Tillman's work. I didn't know this then, but Tillman's has the unique ability to take his viewer through histories and timelines, both real and imagined, as seen in his recent traveling retrospective titled To Look Without Fear. He brings us into his memories and by extension brings us closer to our own. Tillman's has also documented pop culture's most significant figures, from Kate Moss to Frank Ocean. In doing so, he's shaping our present past and future culture with that same liminality that makes his angular intimate portraiture feel like artifacts of both his past and ours. Alright, let's look next at artist number 13, Shervin Hajipur, The Voice of Iran by Marjane Satrapi, an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Nobody makes a masterpiece knowing that they're making one. In late September, Shervin Hajipur sat down at his piano in his apartment in Iran. Protests had raged across the country for more than a week after the death of Masa Armini, arrested for how she wore her headscarf. But people were angry about so much more. On September 28th, Shervin posted a song that miraculously managed to say what they were so angry about. Shervin wrote Barai, which translates to because of, with the words of fellow Iranians who had gone online to list the way their lives had become intolerable. The posts appear on the screen as he sings. In Woman, Life, Freedom, the uprising had already found a slogan. Now it had an anthem. Shervin was arrested within 48 hours and held for several days. In February, Baraye was awarded the first Grammy for Best Song for Social Change. But the ultimate validation is on the streets of our country every day and every evening as his aching melody rises from open car windows. He became the voice of Iran. 
All right, artist number 14. Salma Hayek, Penalt, A Generous Spirit, by Penelope Cruz, an Oscar-winning actress. I originally met Salma Hayek, Penalt, when I had my first offer to do an American film. I knew almost no one in the United States, but she picked me up from the airport and took me to her house. Meeting her was like reuniting with a sister you hadn't seen in a long time. It was 100% trust from our first conversation. She's incredibly generous. It's something she extends to everyone, but especially to other women. Salma is a great observer and feels everything deeply. She's strong yet sensitive, and she can read people very well. That's what makes her a great actor, her ability to put herself in someone else's shoes. From her great breakthrough portrayal of Frida Kahlo to her most recent performance as Maxandra in Magic Mike's Last Dance. Her huge heart, great intelligence, and charisma are a winning combination. But the thing I'm most proud of is that she is always entirely herself. As one of the first Latinas working in Hollywood, she's opened so many doors for people who followed. She is a total revolutionary, and there is still so much she will do. Artist number 15, Aubrey Plaza, Captivatingly Cool, by Amy Poehler, writer, producer, and Emmy-winning actress. We are all watching Aubrey Plaza and can't take our eyes off her. I met Audrey, a deeply versatile actor and producer, almost 15 years ago on Parks and Recreation, where she played the droll and mischievous intern April Ludgate. I knew two things immediately. I was working with a determined and profoundly talented woman with big plans, and I had met a dear friend for life. Her work over the past decade has been acutely truthful and always surprising. Whether conveying fear-baked choices in Emily the Criminal, manic breakdowns in Black Bear, chilly secret-keeping in The White Lotus, or whatever big and ballsy swing is up next in Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis. Aubrey loves an outsider. She roots for the underdog. She befriends the misunderstood. She has learned the glorious freedom that comes from not wanting your approval. But don't mistake that cool demeanor as ambivalence. She cares deeply about her craft and her friends and has become one of the most interesting actors working today. Plus, she speaks Spanish and can hit a fastball. We are all watching Aubrey Plaza, but she is watching us. And she is on to you. All right. Yeah, artist number 16, Neil Gaiman. A World Builder by James McAvoy, actor. What I admire most about Neil Gaiman is his belief in the necessity of storytelling. It's something we need on a DNA level. I first read a book by Neil when I was 14 years old. It was titled Good Omens, his brilliant 1990 collaboration with Terry Pratchett. Two decades later, I got the opportunity to star in the 2013 BBC radio adaptation of Neverwhere. 
I remember feeling so excited that I was being inducted into his sphere of influence, one that has only grown. It's fantastic to see Neil's work again, new fans, most recently with the Netflix adaptation of his award-winning comic book series, The Sandman. Neil's point of entry into the storytelling realm is darkly fantastical and occultish. The way he writes makes you feel like you're being let in on a massive secret. His worlds are hidden, shrouded in mystery, yet they're never that far removed from ours. They're always just barely within your peripheral vision, under the street, or in a dark building, or at the end of a lane. He brings dreamscapes to life. Artist number 17, Ali Wong, an unbridled comedian, by Randall Park, actor, writer, and director. I met Ali Wong at a, at a party shortly after I graduated from UCLA. She was still a student there and had just joined the on-campus Asian American theater company that I had co-founded back when I was an undergraduate. We have been friends ever since. The thing I admire most about Allie is her strong sense of self. She knows what she wants and doesn't want, and she advocates for herself in a way that I find incredibly inspiring. She loves to stand up. That's the most important thing to her, creatively. She's all about her family, her friends, and her art. She doesn't get distracted by fame or money, and when she commits to something, she gives it everything, every time. Allie values honesty in her work and in her life. She's unafraid of digging deep, asking the hard questions to others and herself. I think that's why she's one of our greatest comedians, and more importantly, to me at least, a great friend. And, of course, she always makes me laugh. And artist number 18, Colin Farrell, an actor's actor, by Nicole Kidman, producer and Oscar-winning and Emmy-winning actress. When Colin Farrell and I are starred together in the 2017 films The Beguiled and The Killing of a Sacred Deer, I felt like I had found both my knight in shining armor and my partner in crime. He was very emotionally open with me and I'm very protective of him. I admire his tenacity, his resilience, and his great sense of humor. He's got such an Irish kind of sensibility. Colin is an actor's actor. He's not frightened of tone or genre, and he's very present. Ego is not attached to his performances. You really see that in the longevity of his nearly 30-year-long career. Colin has always been about doing the work and not about building up his stardom or legacy. As a result, he's risen to the top, and this year he received his first Oscar nomination for his incredible performance in The Banshees of Inisherin. It's lovely to see someone who's been so resilient and committed and pure finally being lauded for what he does. He also seems to look younger every year. And artist number 19, Susan Laurie Parks, a dynamic playwright by Sterling Brown, an Emmy-winning actor.
When I saw Susan Laurie Park's Pulitzer-winning play, Top Dog, Underdog, in 2001, I thought, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. If I ever get a chance to work with her, I'll really be in a good place. Over a decade later, my time playing hero in her Odyssey-inspired play, Father Comes Home from the Wars, confirmed my suspicions. Working with her was an absolute joy. She's an artist of the highest passion. She puts everything of herself into everything that she does. Susan Laurie is a playwright who thrives on collaboration. She's not trying to force people like pawns on a chessboard. She's looking for visceral reaction to her words, and if they don't fully land, she goes back to the drawing board until those words impact her soul and the souls of her collaborators. She's now performing in her pandemic-fueled Plays for the Plague Year and her musical adaptation of the 1972 film The Harder They Come, just had its premiere in February. The theater world knows Suzanne Laurie exceptionally well, but the world at large should recognize the genius that she is. She should be a household name. And that concludes our readings from April 24th, May 1st, 2023 issue of Time Magazine. And again, I need to remind you that you have been listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original act authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or publication is permitted. My name is Nancy Porter, and it is my pleasure to share Time Magazine with you.